0: Chapter One of the Fairy of the Snows. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. The Fairy of the Snows by Francis J. Finn S. J. Chapter One Introducing, among others, alice morrow the fairy of the snows on a monday morning in january i was sitting at my desk in the school office stealing myself to deal with those little girls of the school who had not been present at the sunday mass it was a gloomy day and a cold outside a goodly number of the cincinnati street cleaning department with shovels and wagons were busy carting away the heavy snowfall of the previous saturday presently there was a timid knock come in enters a little girl of seven in sore distress well sarah what is the matter father please i didn't go to mass i know that why please father my shoes were at the shoemaker's and he didn't have them ready till this morning he was too busy all day saturday to sold them i knew that sarah was one of seven children that the father earned thirteen dollars a week and that the poor mother had more than she could do to make the ends meet very good sarah i said you seldom miss father please she interrupted it's the first time since last summer in vacation months be it known sarah had not gone to mass at all in common with her brothers and sisters she went barefoot during july and august a saving to the family in the matter of shoes of about twelve dollars "'Well, Sarah,' I resumed, "'your record is good. "'I'm sure Mama couldn't help it. "'Do your best. "'Next?' "'Next was a girl of nine, "'a gypsy-like mite, "'a thing of shreds and patches. "'What? Again?' I said. "'Father, we didn't get up.' "'Who didn't get up?' "'None of us.' "'But you seem to be up, young lady.' "'I mean, Father, we didn't get up Sunday morning.' "'Why didn't you?' please father we had a party at our house saturday night who had a party my mamma and i didn't leave till ever so late and we was all so tired we just didn't wake up in the morning till after twelve o'clock but what had you to do with the party it was for grown folks wasn't it please father i had to stay up to run errands oh running errands had but one meaning in the matter under discussion little jenny jenkins had spent the night in bringing an empty pitcher to the corner saloon and returning with it filled the party meant much beer a little rag and some villainous singing to the accompaniment of a still more villainous piano i had seen and heard that piano such are the simple and sophisticated pleasures on saturday nights of a certain class of our urban population on monday morning they are precisely where they were on the previous saturday before the payment of the weekly wages The Saturday party makes for conservatism. Those who persevere in it regularly never go forward. As to going backward, that is impossible. Jenny Jenkins, you are growing up a little pagan. I don't believe you've been to Sunday Mass in three months. Please, Father, I was once at— Now, Jenny, I want you to bring me a written note from your mother tomorrow morning, stating why you missed Mass. This was a terrible punishment—for the mother— married women whose is beer have an intense repugnance to the use of pen and paper in answer to next there came from the outer office into mine an apparition which caused me to straighten up and fairly gasp the little girl who now appeared came tripping in so lightly trotting all the way to my side with such grace of motion and looking up out of deep brown eyes so smilingly into mine that coupled with the circumstance of her being attired in tiny slippers white stockings and a flimsy white dress, I felt as though a visitant from fairyland had somehow slipped into St. Xavier's school. Her features were regular, her face a delicate oval, and her expression candor itself. And then, in the least possible fraction of a moment, in the face of a dark winter's day, and the dull thought of snow-shovels without, there flashed through my mind Frances Thompson's exquisite quatrain. The hills look over on the south, and southward dreams the sea and came the sea breeze hand in hand came innocence and she the little girl slippered and all in white brought sunshine with her and the smile upon her face with a light of confidence in her eyes a hint of spring flowers invisible were blooming all about me who are you little girl why father don't you remember me i'm alice morrow you gave me a picture in october for being first in the fifth grade i've got it yet It's a picture of the sacred heart and it's got all the promises on the back i know them all by heart and i am teaching them to my next sister elsie i've got it yet and i keep it over our bed so we can see it when we wake up i regret to say that in the complicated work of attending to the needs of eleven hundred boys and girls i had completely lost sight of alice murrow aged ten and as i knew from the records the leader of the fifth grade oh so it's you alice i'm glad to meet you again but you come around so seldom that you can hardly blame me for forgetting you. Oh, I don't blame you, father. You've got such a lot to remember. I know I can't remember things sometimes myself. Sister Dorothy gave me this note to give you. She had been holding an envelope in her hand. I took it, and while I tore open the envelope and read the letter, Alice flitted and hopped about the room like a little bird in the branches of a tree. The letter read, Dear Father, kindly take a look at this little girl alice morrow the youngest the brightest and the sunshiniest girl in our fifth grade she attended mass yesterday in the summer slippers and summer garments you now see her wearing winter with the thermometer at two degrees above zero appears to have no terrors for a tiny spring maid respectfully sister dorothy S. N. D. I took another look at alice who happened to be examining with evident pleasure the picture of first communicant the most artistic thing photographed though it was in my office the fine lines of alice's face the madonna-like oval the luxuriant brown hair shot in the sunlight as i observed later with gold were the first things that would strike one but there was one detail in which her beauty left something to be desired it is hard to rob tender years of the natural complexion yet looking closely one could not but suspect that the child was poorly nourished The roses of her cheeks would soon be the roses of yesteryear. They were fading fast away. Come here, Alice. She was trotting toward me at the word, as though she intended running me down, nor did she slacken her pace till she was quite upon me, when she came to a sudden halt in a manner quite beyond any creature of a large growth. Alice, did you have your breakfast? Oh, yes, father, we had potatoes. What else? That's all, father. Didn't you drink anything? yes father we had water didn't you have any bread we had rolls on saturday good gracious i exclaimed and what are you going to have for dinner potatoes and for supper maybe we'll go to bed early and then you see we don't need any supper mama doesn't know whether the potatoes will last out that long potatoes as a regular diet outside of ireland where this popular vegetable has a power of nourishment unknown in the united states it never before occurred to me. It was only latter, I learned, that, when everything else in the way of Provender fails, and there is no credit at the grocery, the simplest manner of recruiting the larder is to send the littlest one out on a scouting expedition for the despised potato. The quest costs nothing, and, though I have not yet learned how it is done, it brings results. Nevertheless, although I did not realize then that little Alice had spent the greater part of Saturday in a potato hunt, I felt sure that there was dire poverty in the Morrow household. Do you like potatoes, Alice? Oh, yes. Why, I don't get enough. At least I think so. But Mamma says more people die from eating too much than from eating too little. And then, Father, when I get tired of eating potatoes, I put more salt on them, and shut my eyes, and imagine I'm eating salt herrings. Do you like salt herrings? Not feeling quite equal to answering this question to the young lady's satisfaction, I went on. Are those your winter shoes father how can you ask that uncle ed gave me these last summer but they're real warm in the house you know and when i come to school i pick out the places where the snow is hard or there ain't any and i hop and skip from one place to another it is as good as a play you hop and skip like a little bird eh that's just it father how did you guess it sometimes i make believe i'm a little bird and sometimes i'm a frog they hop too you know where do you live at three seven one east third here's the way you get there when you come to the right number you go in by a side passage and walk up the staircase to the second floor but don't you go in there there's a woman lives there who uses this language that's just awful and she's got a boy who steals bicycles and two girls who pull my hair and jerk the ribbons out and stick their tongues away out at me mama says they're common no you go back through the house when you get to the second floor and you come to another staircase leading up from a porch on the other side and you go up that and then you get to our place on the third floor away back if you come down today you will find my mamma and my papa in papa's a plasterer you know but he hasn't had any work for 3 weeks how many children are there in the family there's me and elsie who's 8 and frank who's 6 and margaret who's 3 elsie's in the third grade and she's learning fast This is the best school I ever went to. Have you been to so many? Five. Last year I went to the public school in Dayton, the year before to the Catholic school in Columbus, and the year before that to the public in Cleveland. I forget where I went to school first, but I think it was somewhere in Virginia. Our family has traveled a lot. Sit down, Alice, and take off those slippers. Michael, I called to my office boy without... Come in here and see if you can't get this little girl a pair of shoes. Michael, long accustomed to such orders, entered, opened the clothes press, and while he attended to Alice, who kindly gave him, unasked, a number of autobiographical details, I called up by telephone one of my friends and co-workers in charity, Miss Margaret Dalton. That you, Margaret? This is Father Carney of St. Xavier School. Yes, Carney. Have you time to make a visit in a case of extreme necessity?' there's a little fairy in my office by the name of alice morrow of 371 east third street third floor away back she hops and skips like a fairy out of a pantomime and is dressed as though she were about to appear in midsummer night's dream i don't know whether fairies live on a diet of potatoes or not but that's what this particular fairy is doing from what she told me there are not enough potatoes in the house to go around for supper the father has been out of work for several weeks it looks like a deserving case the girl is as clean and as neat as a pen, and talks with a certain amount of refinement. Do you understand? Yes, father, and I thank you for calling me up. How many are there in the family? Three little girls, one boy, and the parents? Very good. I'll go at once, and let you know later. And thus entered into my life, with the results I purpose faithfully setting down, the fairy of the snows. End of Chapter 1 Recording by Maria Therese